Hello, friends, and welcome to your day, week, month, year reviews. My name is Troidal Power, and I'm your host for the day. And today I'm going to break the format a little bit because I've been playing kind of a random assortment of games um, that... that I've played four games here that I really want to talk about, but none of them really stand up to to a, a YDWMY review of their own, I don't think. But then I realized that there was a, a continuity between them and that they were all games that I got super cheap on the Nintendo eShop. Uh, I don't think I spent more than $2 for any of these four games. Um, so yeah, I figured I could take you through kind of talking about these games and whether I think they're worth picking up for a couple bucks. Um, so the four games that we're going to talk about today are Utopia 9, A Volatile Vacation, Coffee Crisis, The Adventures of Elena Temple, and Downwell. So I'm going to start with Utopia 9, A Volatile Vacation. Uh, looking at this game on the eShop, it is a roguelike shooter uh, that's kind of in a pseudo top-down view. It's kind of a like almost three quarters isometric view, which is a, a perspective I always as- associate with old uh, Game Boy Advance games. Um, but it's basically, it's it's a roguelike twin sticks shooter. Uh, the premise of the game is that you are a tourist who has set off on vo- vacation to Utopia 9, a planet that's supposed to be like, it's Ryza from Star Trek. It is the perfect vacation planet. Except for when you get there, your spaceship crashes onto the earth and you pop out only armed with a pistol and your suitcase. I'm not sure why you're vacationing with a pistol, but hey, I guess it's a hostile galaxy. Uh, And as soon as you land on the planet, you start getting attacked by these mutants who appear to be tourists who have already like been on the planet long enough to mutate. I think that's what the like overarching narrative is supposed to be. But basically in the first section where you land, you come across uh, other dudes with suitcases and other dudes with pistols. Some of them have cowboy hats on. They've got a cowboy hat on. They're going to take a little bit more to kill. And you set off beating them down with your suitcase and shooting them with your pistol. Uh, Like I said, it's a twin stick shooter. It's a little slower paced than I expected. Um, The bullets move a little bit slower than I expected. Your character moves a little slower than I expected. But as you're beating up these baddies, they drop purple goo behind them. I'm not sure what it is. But once you've collected enough of it, you are able to earn a mutation. So you get this mutation screen that pops up where you can choose a random mutation. I don't have it in front of me. Only three ever show up at a time that you can choose from. But I would guess there's probably like 15 to 20 maybe different mutations that you can choose from on this screen. Um, And as you uh, play through each run of the game, your mutations stack on top of each other. And the reason I bring that up associated with the speed is that some of the mutations you can get are things like uh, a boost to your speed so you start moving faster or a boost to your bullet speed so your bullets move faster or uh, a dodge ability that lets you kind of uh, jump aside with a little little kind of jump boost thing um, and yeah so you you basically uh, clear out this first area and then at the end of it there's this spray machine that gives you uh, one boost that applies to your whole run there's five of these that you unlock this is the only like continuous progression throughout the roguelike of this game is you earn points as you go and then you use those points to unlock the five sprays that are available this is a cool loop to keep you engaged with playing for a while until you unlock all of them and then the only incentive to play at that point is to try to beat the game 
So beating the game involves working through uh, a series of, I believe, 10 levels to get up to the very end. Um, there's kind of a couple different sections of the game. So you start off at like the landing area, then you move into a cavern section, and then you move towards the actual uh, the Utopia 9 resort, where presumably there's going to be a big bad boss at the end. I actually don't know because I haven't ever been able to get there. I think the farthest I've gotten in is the 8th level, and like I said, I'm pretty sure there's 10 levels there's branching paths, so once you complete a level, you can kind of choose to go left or right on this branching path, and you can see when you're looking at that a map of all the levels that you've got to complete, and kind of a marker of what kind of weapons will be available to you in that space. So if you really want to do a melee run, which has been my favorite as using those melee weapons, you can kind of choose branching paths that will get you towards areas where you'll be able to pick up some new melee weapons. Once you move into a new area, it's basically a pretty linear line through that area. It'll It's a street, so you'll have you know a couple right turns, a couple left turns, and then you get to the end. And then along the way, there'll be buildings that you can go inside of. There's usually, I think, three per level. Um, you can skip these. You can just run straight by those buildings. But inside of those is where you'll actually find the items on that level. So usually it's something like you know a new weapon, uh, a new utility item like some grenades, and maybe like uh, some armor or a health pack, things along those lines. One of the things I do like about this is it does let you carry two loadouts at a time. So your character has uh, the ability to carry something in their left hand and something in their right hand. And then you have a second loadout where you can carry another left and right hand thing. So my favorite way to play this so far has been to carry a suitcase in my right hand and a baseball bat on my left hand. Uh, the baseball bat really knocks people back. It lets me get a nice one-two punch where I hit him with the suitcase and then hit him with the baseball bat. And if that doesn't kill him, it at least sends him flying away from me. And then is my other loadout, I'll carry like a, a shotgun or, or maybe like a hunting rifle. That's something with a little bit more range to it. Um, a little better suited for clearing out a group. I haven't really found the perfect balance. Like I said, I haven't beat this game yet. But this is the one of the games I'm going to be talking about today that I've played the most. I really, really like Utopia 9. It is a fun top-down roguelike twin stick shooter it's not flashy uh the graphics are fine like nothing looks bad about it but it doesn't it, it doesn't shine in that regard um the music is almost non-existent that's one of the most disappointing things about it but i'll be honest i pretty much played it with the volume down and had a podcast in uh this is not one where i was really like i didn't miss the music because this works super well as a as a podcasting game um the only potential uh, hesitation I have about recommending this game is that from what I've seen, it it has a lot in common with Enter the Gungeon, um, but I think Enter the Gungeon is a much more refined and much faster paced version of this kind of gameplay, and I think it's probably a much better version. I, I've only played Enter the Gungeon for about two minutes so far. That'll probably be an upcoming uh, review for me, but... That, that might be the only hesitation I have, is if you already have Enter the Gungeon, eh, Utopia 9 might be a bit of a retread for you. Um, but if if the idea of a, of a you know, top-down twin-stick roguelike shooter sounds fun, Utopia 9 is a fun one to play. I, I would recommend. Recommended. Uh, I think I got this, like I said, for less than two bucks. If you find this for less than two bucks, totes get it. It is worth it. Um, and I should mention, I forgot, this was developed by a development team called Whalegun out of Copenhagen, and this is actually their first game. So I think for, for being a first game, this is this is pretty sweet. Well done. Good job, guys. Folks, gals, everybody. Good job, everybody. On to the next one. So the next one that I picked up here is called Coffee Crisis. This is developed by Megacat Studios uh, from Pittsburgh um, and was developed as a Kickstarter project. They were trying to get uh, $10,000 in order to develop and release this game as a uh, Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive game. 
so this actually was built as a cartridge for for old Sega systems. Um, they also did a PC port of it at the same time through the Kickstarter, uh, which they raised fifteen thousand dollars for. So they got you know they they beat their goal by fifty percent. So well done them. Um, it really feels like an old school game. Uh, it, it is a arcade style beat 'em up, like think the Simpsons game or the X Men arcade game. Like that that's what this is trying to emulate. Um, it's got nice pixelated graphics. Um, and just waves of enemies coming at you with like metallic chiptune music playing over the top of it. That the aesthetic of this is it kind of caught me by surprise because seeing Coffee Crisis, I was assuming this was going to be like a millennial thing, but it's totally not. It's very like you know late '80s, early '90s like coffee shop. Like what's the movie I'm thinking of? Like grunge grunge coffee shop scene, but in Pittsburgh. Um, basically, the premise is aliens are invading. And only the power of metal music and retro video games can protect us, I think. It's a weird story in this one, um, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, it's a, it's a beat-em-up. You're here to beat-em-up, right? Um, so so beat-em-up means coming against a whole bunch of enemies. You've got aliens. You've got some aliens that are, like, wearing suits and using telepathic abilities while they sit in a wheelchair like a certain mutant. Uh, and you've got other ones that, like, throw whips at you. Like, there's just a, a huge variety of alien enemies. Sometimes they look like old people. It's, it's weird. Um, but honestly, my biggest complaint about this game is it's too much like those old games. I played it on easy mode, and it kicked my butt. It's way too difficult. Um, I got maybe five or six levels in, and I think uh, from what I've looked at online, there's probably like, I think like 15 levels, uh, and it's just, it's way too hard. Um, like I said, I was playing on the easy mode, and still, I would just get overwhelmed, and it's, it almost feels like maybe it needs one more attack, because like, you have a special attack you can do, but the special attack uses, it, it like drains your own health, so I never want to use the special attack, so I'm mostly using the regular attack, but that doesn't seem to be very effective. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I'm just missing something or, or maybe I'm, I'm just old and these games are too hard for me now. Um, it does use a password system for saves going back to the feel of the retro games. So every time you beat a level, a little password shows up. I think they're five digits long. Uh, they didn't do anything clever with the passwords, like to make them easy to remember. So you really do have to like write them down. I get that on the, the Sega version of this, maybe there wasn't a way to like give you a level select Although it seems like that shouldn't be that hard. I don't, I mean, isn't password system the same as a level select? Because, like, if I'm playing this on the Switch, and then I want to go play something else, and I want to come back to this, I, like, have to go through my screenshots to find the last screenshot I took, to find the code for the level I was on. And it just, little things like that make it a less fun experience than I feel like it should be. Um, however, uh, like, the fourth time that I came back into it to put in a password, I realized, hey, wait a minute. If this has passwords for levels, I bet it has cheat codes, too. So I found a couple cheat codes. Uh, one let me do um, one-hit kills. So everybody that I punched died immediately. That was too easy for you, boy. But then I found one that was uh, just infinite lives. And I started playing with that, and that made it uh, a lot more fun for me because I still got the fun of, like, going through and beating people up, but I wasn't getting game overs all the time. So uh, that made this much easier to swallow for me, but it definitely did also feel like it cheapened the game a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know what I really want from this one. Like I said, it feels like maybe mechanically there's something that's a little bit off about the attacks, but maybe really what I need is just like a, a super easy mode where like it's not infinite lives and it's not one hit kill, but it's like almost infinite lives and like two hit kills. And then maybe I think I'd, I'd, I'd have a little more fun with Coffee Crisis. 
Uh, next up is the game that I've spent the least amount of time with, but also the only one that I beat. Uh, this is The Adventures of Elena Temple. Uh, this is another first game. This is by um, Grim Talon slash Catalan Marku. I think that, that Grim Talon is their, like, the studio name, but it's just a one-person development team. Um, but but uh, this game, Adventures of Elena Temple, uh, came out in 2018. It's on PC and, and on Switch, and it's a old-school puzzle platforming game. You're playing as a girl by the name of Elena Temple. You fall into a temple and have to um, make your way out. So you're going through kind of pretty standard puzzle platforming challenges. Uh, that's one thing I want to make clear about this game right at the start is that, like, it's a lot of standardized stuff. Like, so you've got moving platforms. You've got crumbling platforms. You've got switches that you have to hit. What I will give it, though, is that once you get comfortable with the rhythm of the game, kind of the way the jumping works and everything, it, it controls pretty precisely. And there's, like, zero surprise elements. And what I mean by that is, like, my deaths didn't ever feel cheap. Like, it reminded me a lot of Celeste in this way. Um, not as as big or as refined, necessarily, as Celeste is, but playing both Celeste and playing Adventures of Elena Temple, when I died, I was like, yep, that's on me. Like, it, it, it was all, it's all based on timing and precision. So when you die, it's it's your own fault. It's not the game's fault. Um, there's a couple of enemies in this game. There are um, snakes, which just stay stationary. Sometimes they're on moving platforms, but they themselves don't move. There's scorpions, which, you know, walk left and right across the screen. And then bats that kind of move around in, in a uh, a repeating pattern. So with all of these, if you pay attention to them, they're usually pretty easy to avoid, or at least you can see how to avoid them. And then the challenge is the precision to avoid them. But you also have two bullets and a gun that you can use to eliminate enemies. And you only ever have two bullets at a time, which is important because sometimes there's puzzles where like, in order to get to a coin hidden in a level, there are four elements that you need to get rid of. So with only two bullets, you have to come into the room with two bullets, take out two of those elements, get to some extra bullets that are somewhere on the screen, and then go back down to clear out the rest to get the coin. The way they get this game is set up is it's just a series of rooms, and they're all uh, one screen on, on the system you're playing on. So you're just looking at a single screen, and you kind of have to solve the puzzles in that room to... Uh, find a couple of coins. I think there's usually three coins per room. And then ultimately what you're looking for is eight diamonds that you have to find in order to get the heck out of the temple. Um, the kind of... It's not... I guess it is kind of a selling point. I mean, it's it's what come I... The eye catcher of this game is that you can play it on seven different virtual consoles. So the game is all monochromatic and pixel art and designed to look like a super old, like, 80s platform game. Um, but you can play the game on, like, something that looks like an old Mac system or something that looks like an old Atari or something that looks like an old Game Boy. They're not actually those things because copyrights. But it, it looks like that console, including a color palette swap, including, um, like, a CRT scan lines if you're playing on a TV uh, the sound is different depending on which console you're playing in and even the room. So like when I, I played most of it on the Game Boy Advance um, clone because I love the Game Boy Advance and you're, you're actually like looking at a teeny tiny Game Boy Advance, but then you can use the shoulder buttons on your switch to zoom in. And then behind you is like the bedroom of the kid who's playing the game. And each console has a different kind of 
era appropriate environment that it exists in. It's cute. It's not really like important because it plays exactly the same. Like it's the same on all of them. You can at any time pause the game, back out to the main menu and load up into a different system. And it brings you right back to the room you were at the progress point you were at. Um, but it's, it's cute. It's, it's kind of a fun little detail. Um, and realistically, I mean, this game is, it's short. It took me uh, about an hour to beat it. I got 105 of the coins that are hidden in the temple out of 120. So in playing for an hour without really going for getting all the coins, uh, I was able to beat it in about an hour. It reminded me a lot of Awesome P, another game that I played earlier this year that was very retro-inspired and built to be an old-school platformer, except for Retro P's physics took a lot more for me to get the hang of. Um, So I I think I actually liked uh, Adventures of Elena Temple a little bit better, but they both kind of fill that same same nostalgic niche of like, oh man, this this is just like just like how video games used to be. Um, So yeah, Elena Temple is is a short game. But I, it was fun. I had a fun hour playing it. Like, I had a good time. So I would give this a recommend, too. Um, yeah, I think, I think The Adventures of Elena Temple is pretty sweet. Check it out. And then we'll talk about the next one, which is Downwell. So Downwell is the one on this list that I actually knew anything about before I picked it up. The other ones were just kind of impulse buys on the eShop. Um, Downwell I've heard about for a while. It's developed by uh, – it's a three-person team made this game – uh, their website lists their Twitter handles. So at uh, Moppin and Strachi and Kisikomi, I'll probably pronounce all of those wrong, but hey, I gave it my best shot. Um, and then it was produced by Devolver Digital, helped out, I guess, with the, the kind of finalization of the game and then the publishing of it. Um, but basically, Downwell is another um, pretty much monochromatic game, kind of like uh, Elena Temple, except for in Downwell, you've got... Uh, three colors going on. So the default color palette uh, is you've got black and white, and then uh, kind of the things you need to be on the lookout for are red. That includes enemies as well as gems. So the basic premise of this game is you're a dude who's jumped in a well, and you're falling down the well, and on the way down, you're killing enemies and collecting gems. And the main way that you kill enemies, there's, well, there's two ways you kill enemies. One is you can stomp on their head. So kind of Mario style, as you're falling, you can just land on top of most enemies and that'll kill them. The other thing you can do is you can shoot them. With a gun, you ask? No, not with a gun, with gun boots. Because in Downwell, your character is wearing gun boots, which are boots that shoot guns down. So the way this works out is you're playing a, a game where most of the momentum is played going downwards. We're kind of used to left and right. This goes up and down. And you're watching for enemies coming up from below you, trying to position yourself above them and use your boots to shoot them. Uh, When you shoot with your boots, it gives you like a little bit of a boost so you can kind of control your falling. And then there's also platforms you can land on throughout. Um, And then going back to kind of like Utopia 9, there are branching rooms off um, that you could skip by entirely or you can stop off into. It's always worth stopping off in this one. In Utopia 9, sometimes you have to fight people uh, when you stop in one of the side rooms. In Downwell, you never fight anybody in these side rooms. You're just either going to get a new weapon that you can use. So it changes your gun boots to like laser boots or machine gun boots or shotgun boots. Or you're going to find uh, just a a rock that's rich with gems that you can destroy to get some new gems. Or you're going to find a shop where you can spend some of those gems to buy upgrades like additional health or ammo capacity for your gun boots. Once you get far enough down, you reach the end of a level, 
and you uh, go on to the next one, in between, you get a little checkpoint where you get an upgrade that lasts for the rest of your run, which is like, um, what are some of them? Uh, you can get an upgrade that lets you uh, have gems kind of fly towards you, so you don't have to run and grab them as much. They kind of get sucked towards you. Uh, one that lets you uh, have bullets fly out whenever you collect a gem, so it kind of helps you with eliminating enemies. Uh, discounts at shops can be an upgrade. Um, a rocket jump, which causes an explosion every time you jump up, so it kind of eliminates enemies that are near you. I haven't seen uh, all of the upgrades that are in this, because this one I actually haven't played too much yet, but this is the one that I'm most excited to play more of. I think this is the the best of these four games. I mean, they're, they're all good at what they set out to be, I think, but Downwell is the one that I'm like, I can see myself just continuously coming back to this game, because it has a really, like quick gameplay it's it's super um easy to do a run and finish and then start over again um or just do a run finish and set it down um you can play it vertically which is kind of cool on the switch you can actually uh you know disconnect your joy cons and set your switch up upright or hook it up to a tv and rotate the tv and play it vertically which is kind of cool i've only done that a little bit so far but it seems neat um, it's just, this is the, the most, I think, refined. That's probably the word I'm looking for. Uh, this is the most refined of the games that I'm talking about today. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. This one I, I got for, I think, $1.50, but I think it's normally $3. This game is totally worth it. Um, it is a roguelike, so you are starting over a lot. Um, there are different worlds. So far, I've only done the first two. So the first one is just kind of a cave. The next one is called, I think, the Catacombs. And it's just going to give you kind of different enemy templates to battle against as well as it introduces um, floors that have spikes come out of them after you land on them. So you can only land for a second and then you have to jump again. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. This is, it's, it is a very, very good gameplay loop and I'm really excited to play more of Downwell. Um, and as far as the roguelike, sorry, that's what I was starting to say. As far as the roguelike stuff goes, you unlock different color palettes in this. So like I said, by default, you're looking at black, white, and red, but you can change that to like black, white, and aqua or you can change it to one that looks like a Game Boy. Um, so there's different color palettes you can choose from. And then there's different styles, which change the gameplay a little bit. So there's one that's a little more floaty, a one that I think has faster paced movement. I haven't really spent enough time messing with the styles to fully understand how that works. But honestly, on, on Utopia 9, I'm struggling to go back to it once I've unlocked everything because I don't feel I, like getting to the end is too hard. And I'm just, I'm not sure I'm ever going to finish it with Downwell. I think even when I unlock everything, this, the, the core gameplay is still so much fun that I'll still come back to it and play more of this. So yeah, that's, that's my, uh, my episode for you for today. Um, I don't know that I'll revisit any of these games on YDWMY reviews in the future. Um, I'm pretty much done with Elena Temple. Coffee Crisis, I'm still probably going to beat, but I'm playing it with the cheat codes now, so it is what it is. Uh, Utopia 9, I'd really like to beat, but I'm not sure that I'm ever going to get there. Um, Downwell is the one that I think I'm most likely to keep playing, so maybe I'll check in with you a little bit later on to, to see if, if I kept playing that one. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, to just kind of share my thoughts on these games because... Um, I think that the Switch, there's a lot of value in these cheap games on the Switch. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff out there that can be hard to find. So I thought I would uh, share my thoughts on a couple that I think are worthwhile. I, I think all of these games are good in their own right. Um, so far, my favorite is Downwell. My least favorite is Coffee Crisis, just because that game's too hard for me. But if you grew up on those uh, beat-em-up games on the Sega and, and you're craving a new one, I mean... 
it's a it's a good version of that it's just really difficult um so yeah with that uh that's all i've got for you today um if you'd like to hear more of me talking about video games and playing video games check out the power playthroughs podcast or troidal power presents the power playthroughs podcast with troidal power uh you can find that on probablywork.com and check out all the other podcasts that are there as well and until i've got another game to play shoot do we have an ending for this show oh i've forgotten it's been a very long time since i've recorded for this show um player player two press start your player two press start on your podcaster app because the episode is over and the start button will pause it but don't do that until after you hear the outro song and the promotional plug for probably work and another show on the probably work network This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called probablywork.com. Hi, I'm Evan, and I sure enjoy me some podcasts. Wow, this podcast sure is enjoyable, but sometimes... Life has a little bit more pegged on for you than what you thought. Oh man, is that a missile? Uh, I'm okay? Thoughtscast, part of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network.